Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself continue to talk about the fifth commandment, and we talk about what it promotes in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Welcome to Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I have with me Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. Hi guys. <laughs> it's, been, it's been such a long time, you we, know. Yeah, we, right. we need a new uh, intro. I know, I know. Stick. I, yeah, I was gonna right? say, usually you say the well, same. Well, the of fifth thing. commandment, we could sing. Yeah. Won't you be my neighbor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, put cardigans on. And, no one wants and, us singing. No one wants uh, earworms either. But uh, I think everyone wants more of Mister Rogers. Yeah, so. that sounds nice. He actually sang fairly decently and. Mm-hmm. And really, what I I know this may be a tangent, but as a musician, the thing I appreciated about that show is the depth of music that he brought jazz music and different types of music that were quality, mm-hmm. not like these three chord pop things or yeah. whatever. <laughs> now the piano guy, I loved the piano guy, Mr. Rogers. Nice. He was a good Samaritan to us. Yeah. Oh, segue. Very well. Wow. Gold star for the day for Brett Bow for bringing right. us back to reality. Yeah. No, good. Yeah, we are talking about the Good Samaritan as we continue on in our mini series. Can you call these mini series? Oh. Sure. Let's go. With this it. is like season Own five it. of no. Yeah. In, in a world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're we're talking about the fifth commandment still, and we did the Bible study last week, and now we're doing another Bible study about what the fifth commandment promotes, and that is. Well, the fifth commandment promotes life, that's mm-hmm. your gloss, but really it's the health and welfare of your neighbor in all areas of his life. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just avoiding killing, it's that we are right. constantly, consistently, and continually placing our neighbor before ourselves in our lives. Oh, but wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Jason, it's all about me. Well, it is because you're a sinner, and that's the problem. This is what the commandments <laughs> exist for, is to show us our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And in a society where individualism and, I believe, narcissism has taken hold, I think that this commandment has a lot to say to us as believers, but also to the believing church in America. Well, and Mm -hmm. especially to the believing church in America that exists on Facebook and Twitter. (laughs) The the narcissistic (laughs) playground of the world right now. I like that. That's that's tweetable right there. Oh, boy. I don't know. I try to have everything I say be more than 140 characters. Nice. Uh, good. Well, let's read this, uh, this parable of the Good Samaritan and dig into it. We're in Luke 10, and it's 20, verses 25 through 37. So I'm going to go ahead and read that at this point. And it says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, and this hymn is Jesus, of course, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. Yes, amen. So set this up for us. Um, I almost said Brian. Uh, yeah, Brian, you want to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I will defer to Jason. <laughs> As you were reading that, yeah. honestly, what popped into my head, and I was actually in the middle of trying to write it down, is thinking about the Good Samaritan from a pastoral view or a pastoral application as, you know, sometimes we get in the discussion of pastors as being um, uh, vessels that God uses for healing in congregations and things like that. And um, I think that there's a lot to say about that, mm-hmm. pouring oil on their wounds mm-hmm. and binding them up and bringing them to a safe yep. place and yep. uh, being uh, that the shepherd, small s, mm-hmm. you know, that God has called us to be. So. That's my lead-in to what Jason's about to say. Yeah, <laughs> but, and now i got to build on that, right? No, I, I, yeah. I think it's fantastic in this passage, kind of mm-hmm. building on what Brian said. Yeah. You have general application. Right. Go and do this. You also have specific application, the detailed, necessary, actual loving of your neighbor. You know, one mm-hmm. of the lessons that the Good Samaritan teaches that we uh, often overlook is that often uh, your neighbor is in an opportunistic relationship to you. And I don't mean that as one of taking advantage, mm-hmm. but you have neighbors each and every day, neighbors of opportunity mm-hmm. that you are going to come across for the purpose of loving your neighbor. And this is kind of the point uh, of Jesus' thrusts. I mean, again, to build off of what we said in the last couple episodes with this karmic relationship we have to the law, that's the entire context of what's going on here in the, the Good Samaritan is that this man is desiring to justify his good behavior. And so, you know, one of the things he says, he's able to answer his theological questions, right? You know, the Sunday school answer for everyone in our churches is Jesus. Mm -hmm. But Jesus asks, what's the summary of the law? And the man answers correctly. He knows his Mm -hmm. doctrine that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But the big question for the second table of the law, the big question in this parable is, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Who, and, and he's not, the way I've preached this passage, I've preached this a handful of times already, mm-hmm. uh, the, the question that the man is asking is not, who is my neighbor? The real question the man is asking to Jesus is, who isn't my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Is who can I get away with not loving? Right. And that's, that is how Jesus understood him when he gives the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that how one flows from the other. As we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, uh, mind, and strength, the love of Christ then f- through the freedom of the cross and through the freedom of his salvation allows us and enables us through his love to then love our neighbor as ourself. Again, it's... A vocational loving is one that enables us to 
realize in our life God has promised and does provide for us everything we need for life and salvation. I'm going to come up with a sound effect where every time he brings up vocation, we're going to have to like have a bell or something. Like that. <laughs> uh, you join the people in my congregation in Sunday school class and Bible study. I love vocation. And mm-hmm. I've said it before on this podcast, uh, aside from the doctrine of justification by grace alone through faith alone, yep. the doctrine of vocation is the next most necessary doctrine to teach in the church. And neglecting it in our congregations has been catastrophic. Mm-hmm. So how did the Good Samaritan walk in his vocation in loving the Lord? Oh, it's right there in the application. I think the bigger yeah. question in answering that is is looking at this from a Sunday school perspective. You know, and... All of our, especially our generation, has mm-hmm. grown up with moralistic applications to Sunday school lessons. Sure. You know, uh, to, to just go to my go-to examples, when we hear David and Goliath, the application is with just enough faith and the right tools, you can conquer the giants in your own life. Uh, and so we ask the question here. Uh, so what's the moralistic? Yeah, what's the moralistic? Yeah. And it's, you're looking, you know, who is the dead guy by the road, you need to help. How can you be a good neighbor? Mm-hmm. Certainly, there is application for that. Certainly, the the law application for us is that we don't love our neighbors. From Jesus' perspective, from the message of Scripture pointing us to Christ and the cross, we are not the good Samaritan in this parable. That is not the application. We are the dead guy by the road. That That's where we fit in. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, we have succumbed to the enemy, to the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need someone to revive us, to give us new life, to heal us, to provide for us, because we are utterly helpless to recover and save ourselves. That is the scriptural application of this parable. Hmm. You think that uh, the guy asking this, the lawyer in the text perceived that to be after he heard this from Jesus? Well, he, to to state the obvious, he either did or he didn't. But Jesus doesn't leave him an option at the end, go and do likewise to go and heal. Now, on the one side, again, the going down Jesus has example application, the go and do likewise, is that we are no longer able to qualify our generosity, that we go out and we love. The bigger issue, and and we need to bring this up periodically, and we have, and we'll continue to do it. When it comes to obeying the law and to fulfilling the Mm -hmm. law, the message we need to put before our eyes as Christians is that this is who Christ is for us. So we talk about going back to the first commandment of, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. Christ is the one who shows us what it is like to have your eyes solely focused on God. The second commandment, you should take the name of the Lord, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Christ is the one who shows us the proper use of God's name. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, we'll skip fourth commandment. Christ is the one who shows us the proper place for authority in our lives and what submission looks like. And here, Christ is the one who for us is promoting life and loving our neighbor. And the way Christ promotes life is he dies in our place. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel application. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I have a hunch that maybe there be people listening to this that that would be kind of a new concept to them. Or um, how did you come to see that as opposed to the moralistic gloss of well, this story? And and that's where you go again. Like I said, I've preached on this passage three or four times already in mm-hmm. my short time as a pastor. But the big thing is. It, 
I do a lot of picking on what I call generic American Christianity. Mm -hmm. When you ask someone, close your eyes, picture what a good Christian looks like, this is what we're Mm -hmm. talking about. The way it was defined in the early 90s or late 80s, and I forget the name of the author now, will come to me after we're done recording, but this guy who coined the term moralistic therapeutic deism. The idea that Christian... Yeah, Christian Smith, there it is. The, the, the idea that Christianity is there to improve my quality of life. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing in that is we're turning the Bible into Aesop's fables. We're, we're looking for the moral of the story. We're, we're looking for the parable uh, or the, the, the fable of the ant versus the grasshopper and, you know, things like that. And again, pause, step back and say it is entirely import- appropriate to take wisdom from Scripture and apply it to our lives. That is not what Scripture is there for primarily. Scripture is there primarily to deliver to us Christ and Christ crucified. So you had asked a question, you know, how did the lawyer perceive this at the end and go and do likewise? But I, I find it interesting that in that interpretation, you know, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just maybe kind of— Wouldn't be the first time someone po- told Poking me. the bear, so to speak. Why would Jesus equate himself with a Samaritan in that parable? Because he's obliterating preconceived notions of who is my neighbor. Mm. Jesus, almost all the time interacting with someone who's trying to justify themselves, will go to the most absurd example he can. Hyperbole. Hyperbole, mm. yeah. He, this lawyer, you know, that would be, in, in Jewish times, he would be on the same level as the Pharisee and the scribe. He would be a religious elite. Mm-hmm. A lawyer is an interpreter of the law, which we know was the Jewish scriptures, mm-hmm. the Torah, right? And so in society, the lowest of the low in the land of Israel, geographic location, were the Samaritans. Samaritans were half-breeds. They were Jews who were left behind by the Assyrians when the northern kingdom was carried off into exile. They co-married or co-mingled with the residents of the land, and so they were no longer purebred Jews. Uh, what they established their own religions. The Samaritan Old Testament reinterprets everything that happened in the Old Testament from the perspective of a Samaritan influence. And so rather than Mount Zion, God's chosen location is Mount Gerizim. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they go back to, they said, Abraham. Instead of on Mount Moriah, which is Mount Zion uh, historically, they said Abraham was to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Gerizim. Uh, and all of these things, you see that a lot in John 4, with Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan worship, the Samaritan woman, mm-hmm. which gets us to those passages like those who worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. Yep. Jesus teaching those lessons. And so the fact that the religious elite who know better, the priest and the Levite... Or at least they're supposed to know better. Well, they do know better. You know, we don't even want to dull the law here. The men who were entrusted most with loving neighbor, with understanding the scriptures thoroughly, uh, failed. The religious elite failed, and this half-breed Samaritan, and to be clear, the Samaritans hated the Jews just as much as the Mm, Jews hated the Samaritans. This man was the one who fulfilled the law, who loved his neighbor. And again, there's... All sorts of applications. And we want to be hesitant to not over-spiritualize the parable because the parable is a parable. Right. But in the sense, Jesus is our same flesh and blood, but he's different than we are. And again, we, in our sinful nature, we despise Christ. 
we, we loathe him. We esteem him not. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Isaiah 53 language because he shows us our failure. You know, he, in, in being perfect, look at the way the Jews responded to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. He shows love on the Sabbath. And he gets killed for it. You know, those sorts of things. That's the application. And, and so we see Jesus as the one we rejected coming to heal us who are dead and helpless. Mm-hmm. And there's your gospel application. And then from that, as he says, go and do likewise, then is that then a motivation of what Christ has done for us, Christ's great sacrifice, yep. to walk in that same love, applying the gospel and doing the same to our neighbors? I, I see the go and do likewise as the application of uh, 2 Corinthians five eighteen, where God entrusts to us the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. And then Paul writes that appeal, we appeal to you on God's behalf or on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And reconciliation, according to the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been bringing up a lot here with the fifth commandment, mm-hmm. reconciliation starts with our good works for our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Mm-hmm. And in that, obviously, we preach the gospel. We're, we're, we're not... Uh, Francis, Franciscan Christians, who he gets that quote attributed to him, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. We acknowledge preaching the gospel necessitates words. It's the message of the good news. But if we're consistently jerks, if we're consistently belligerent and abrasive, they're not going to hear the gospel. Hmm. So our life and our words actually brings potency to Nope. Our life lived in Christ. Yeah, faith without works is dead, but mm-hmm. faith is never without works. Mm-hmm. And of course, one flows from the other. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So when we do come along somebody that's stalled on the side of the road, it's it's good. It's a good thing to help them out if you can, or mm-hmm. um, even if you might not be a mechanic, like I'm not. No, I'm not a mechanic, <laughs> but you know that's that's always the go-to example. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. On the one hand, it might be. Uh, the impetus might be for us learn a little basic stuff, you know, at least know how to change a tire. So if someone who doesn't know how to change a tire, you can do it and be that example for your family if they're with you. On the other hand, mm-hmm. we immediately go down that, well, you didn't do what I could do. And so you're not loving your neighbor. That's not the case. We're, 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 as soon as we start getting into the nitty gritty and starting to divide this, we're missing the point. Mm-hmm. The, the generality here has to take precedence over the, precedence over the specifics, right. and that is to go love your neighbor and go love your neighbor of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so where you have opportunity and means to love your neighbor, that's where the law applies. Mm-hmm. So is it a stretch to say that even in Philippians 2, which we've been bringing up a lot with these commandments, uh, especially as we get to the horizontal aspect of the commandments, uh, it kind of does the same thing where here we are to place the needs of our neighbor as more important than ourselves because of what Christ has mm-hmm. done, Absolutely. because of his selfless you know, sacrifice for us. So in a sense, isn't, isn't Philippians chapter 2 describing exactly what you're talking about with the, with the interpretation of the Good Samaritan? Yeah, your good works are always done with the gospel in mind. And, and that's living life, what I call it in, in the lessons that I teach to my congregation in Sunday school, is living life with an eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. Again, knowing your proper place in God's economy of salvation is that I am saved. Even if I suffer, my salvation is not in jeopardy. 
because it's wrapped up in Christ, which means I'm not fighting with my neighbor to get credit for my good works because my good works before God are Jesus' good works. Mm -hmm. And so we look at it that way and I go love my neighbor. And in the end, if I suffer, you say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for providing for me. Again, we mentioned this either last episode or two episodes ago. The gospel frees us to do to love our neighbor. The law informs us how to love our neighbor. And that's how you orient yourself to God's work. And we've talked about before, too, when we're talking about righteousness, when we're talking about fulfilling the law, you have that vertical righteousness that is only yours in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. But the horizontal righteousness means how are you rightly oriented to your neighbor? And that's the question here that the lawyer is asking Jesus, even though he's trying to get out of something. How am I rightly oriented to my neighbor? If it happens to be that on your way home today, your neighbor is lying in the ditch, half naked and mugged, you are rightly oriented to your neighbor to get him to the hospital and care for him. But it probably won't look like that. Yeah. I mean, even in 1 John chapter 1, as we talk about confession and repentance, we've talked about this, that you reconcile to one another and God. So there is both the vertical and the horizontal aspect of reconciliation that really is a part of our of our life in Christ. Yeah, and, and horizontal righteousness as part of our life in Christ is a righteousness that must be practiced. It must be trained. Uh, it, it, that's how it's developed. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the most meaningless phrases you can give to someone is go live in the gospel. That doesn't tell them what to do. Now, go live in the gospel, but that means go love your neighbor, realizing that your love for your neighbor doesn't impact your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was saying here, like it said, but he desiring to justify mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. And so that I think this parable is an answer of Jesus to that question. Let mm-hmm. me tell you how you're justified. Right. And Jesus, then, if we are, the, if we are the, the robbed man, the beaten man, we're justified because Jesus raises us to new life through faith in what he has done for us. Mm-hmm. If we are the good Samaritan, uh, then we have the example of to follow that because of our justification, to, to take the principles of an extreme self-sacrificing love to do this. Uh, one of the phrases I've used that we, we were careful for, though, is G- if Jesus is merely your example, mm-hmm. then Jesus will shame you with his love. Mm-hmm. If Jesus is your savior, yeah. then he saves you with his love. Amen. That'll tweet. Yeah, oh, I hope not. Right back to that again. I'm sorry. Yeah, that quotable was, that was Christianity. Good. Quotable no, Christianity. That, right. That was good. That was a good comment. Yeah. But yeah. I, I love how it centers and it fixates on our freedom in Christ and the freedom that Christ has provided through His life, death, and resurrection, and that in that freedom, mm-hmm. we are privileged to then be ambassadors of this reconciliation that mm-hmm. Christ has brought to us and for us. And to qualify that statement in Scripture, we are free to love in Christ because of his life, death, and resurrection because that is wholeheartedly our life. We need to realize again, to bring up for the second time today, that part of understanding the law is to understand Jesus fulfills the law for us. He has actively and perfectly obeyed God's law so that when he dies, he's also forgiving our failure to obey God's law. You have to have the both in tandem or the system breaks down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's why he started with that in the Sermon on the Mount so early on, mm-hmm. that he came to fulfill the law, to bring to its true, signifi- to, true significance its true meaning. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
So how does this concretely tie in with the fifth commandment? Well, fifth commandment says, thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. And the man was nearly killed, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the positive aspect of that is to do our neighbor no bodily harm, but to actively Mm-hmm. promote his life and health to actively. And so, again, not committing the sin of harm is part of it. It's not the whole. It's to be actively promoting your neighbor's mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. To, to seeking his welfare. And that's the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Good Samaritan, he walks by, he's not guilty of murder. Mm-hmm. The Good Samaritan, though, goes to his neighbor he heals him. He he, you know, convalesces him mm-hmm. in the inn. Uh, he, he even entrusts himself to others. I mean, he could have been taken advantage of that innkeeper is dishonest, and he says, "I'm going to cover this man's expenses." And he trusts the innkeeper to be honest and get that man back up on his feet. Yep. This is the sort of thing that it looks like: is that you are actively, again, and sacrificially promoting your neighbor's life over and above yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other two guys that walked by him, they weren't guilty of murder either, or attempted murder. Yeah. Um, they weren't guilty of homicide, right? but, but they were guilty of breaking the fifth commandment. Right. And, yeah. and that's what Christ is getting at with this parable. Again, we can't use the, I didn't kill anyone today, mm-hmm. and say, I, I fulfilled the seventh commandment, or the fifth commandment. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's, have I been actively loving your neighbor? When right. you ask that question, the answer is no. And you know, the interesting thing is, those other two guys maybe had some religious reasons for, I need to get to church or I need to, or I don't want to defile myself or, um, I find it ironic how Jesus used, or not, that wasn't ironic. It was Jesus used that irony to drive home the point. Yeah. The beauty of Jesus parables is that he leaves Mm -hmm. open so many possibilities for added variables to understand that, you know, I'm going to temple. I need to be clean so I can do my assigned and prescribed biblical worship of God, right? Nope. Trump's that is your love for your neighbor. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing when Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Is that, is it better to do good Mm -hmm. or to not do good on the Sabbath, right? Because it's always a heart issue. It's the heart issue. It's Mm -hmm. the harboring sin issue again. And those men walk by the Good Samaritan because they think what they do is what makes them right before God. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you do that, you get tunnel vision and you have selfish works. Mm-hmm. Trying to justify himself. Yeah, right. Amen. Well, maybe we should wrap up this episode. Any closing thoughts? No, it's the, 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 you know, trying to justify himself. He asks, who is my neighbor? There's the big question. Mm-hmm. Who is my neighbor? You find out your neighbor, you go love them. And to always remind ourselves, and I need this constantly, is that anything good that flows from my life, its source is always found in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Christ in you. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com or invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Join us next week as we wrap up our discussion on the fifth commandment.